For those of you who have been here for the last few weeks, you know that we're in a series, um, annual focus, looking at the idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus. And uh, last week, we, or the first week, we looked at kind of how we fix our eyes. Uh, Rich spoke. And last week, we looked at kind of Jesus's response to uh, anxiety a little bit. And so tonight, we are going to be looking at this idea of Jesus as the healer. Uh, and before we get into that, um, part of this story uh, really deals with the idea of being on different paths. And that's why we played this game. There's a path, you follow it, you hop around, right? Uh, but as I was looking, I, I was trying to come up with an illustration, some, some example of a path, uh, something that's happened in my life. I like to tell stories of things that have happened. I don't like to make something up, or sometimes it's kind of boring when you're like, well, have you seen this TV show? Because this thing happened in that TV show, and if you haven't seen it, you don't get it. Yeah, you, know, you know what I'm saying. But one thing... Uh, that, that came up, I was, looking, I was literally scrolling through my photos, trying to like be, have it, something spark a memory. Have you ever had that? When you're looking for one specific memory, you can't find it, you just look through all your photos. So I was looking through my photos, and I found this, which has nothing to do with the story. I just really like this gif. It's Abby from uh, like five years ago, waving the flag. Gets me every time. It's one of my favorites. Okay, but then I found this, which is a picture of KJ Julian. And you guys know KJ? He spoke on middle school ski trip last year, high school, two years ago. And um, one of my favorite things about KJ uh, is that we both started in ministry at the same time. So he works at a church up in Richmond, and I work here, obviously. And we've kind of been doing uh, a similar paths at similar times, and so it's been really cool to have a friend who I can talk to about what's it like in student ministries as he's progressing at the same pace, same speed kind of thing as I am. He did not eat all those pizzas by himself, I'm sure. But... Uh, one thing that he did do when, a couple years ago when he spoke on the high school ski trip is this. If you can, it's kind of small. It'll zoom up. Go, uh, go to the next one. Comes in a little bit. That's his car right there. And go to the next one, the nice side angle. So that's KJ's car right there. And so what had happened was I was driving our uh, SUV and KJ was driving his personal car. And he was following me from the campsite on the high school ski trip to the ski resort. And he was following me. And I tend, having been up there on a lot of ski trips, having driven the car on a lot of ski trips, I tend to be a little more, uh, a little less cautious, let's say, than KJ, who is up there for his first time. I know the turns. I've been there a lot. And so I'm going. At one point, KJ gets nervous. He slows down. And, he, and we like, lose sight of each other. And so in that moment, there were two things I'm going to put all the blame on KJ here. There are two things that I feel like KJ could have done. First, he could have pulled up uh, a trustworthy GPS uh, and put in the ski resort and found his own way. Uh, and what he, other thing he could have done was called me and said, hey, I lost you. Can you slow down? He did neither of those things. What he did was he had someone else in the car. He was driving a couple liters. And someone else in the car pulled up the directions. And that person did not think to look at their directions and be like, hmm, it says turn left, but as I look, there's no road there. So what they did was it said turn left, and KJ was like, are you sure? And the, the girl who was, who was telling him the directions was like, it says turn left. And so KJ went down what I could only describe as like a goat path. Um, like, like, cars were not meant to be on this road. This was purely for like grazing animals to go from one field to another. Uh, and he, so he went down this path, 
And I went the other way after, after this happened. I, I picked them up, but there's no room to turn around. So I took my car through the path that he went. And I had like a suburban airborne trying to get through those drifts of snow. Like it was not plowed. It's like feet of snow. It was insane. So I don't know how he made it this far, but it was incredible. But KJ found himself on the wrong path, uh, trying just to get to the ski resort on the ski trip. And uh, somewhere in our lives, the story we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to see there's three different, oh wait, I have a little video. Sorry, Luke, I totally forgot about the video. It's not that exciting. It's just a time lapse. So all those people out there were trying to be like tough guys and stand there and be like, oh, I'm going to stand here until, I pull, until the thing pulls the car out of the ditch. Tommy and I are sitting in our nice, we had heated seats. We were blasting the heat. It got so warm at one point, we had to crack the window. And so I was just filming all of them while they stood out there for, this is like 30 minutes elapsed time, and they're just standing out there getting frostbite like fools. Anyway, it had nothing to do with the path thing. I just, that memory just sparked. So tonight we're going to be looking at this story in Mark chapter 5 uh, about a man who is on the wrong path. And I think as we go through it, kind of some of the stuff that I want to start at the beginning here, and then we'll kind of keep in our minds as we go, is this idea of somewhere in our lives, I think we have found ourselves, or maybe we find ourselves right now, on the wrong path. It could be emotionally, it could be relationally, spiritually, physically, whatever it is, uh, we have all at some point or another, wrong path, the path is over here where we're talking, but that's fine, um, we have all found ourselves on the wrong path. And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 5, uh, where we meet a man who is on the wrong path, and this passage lays out three different path options. You have the path of evil, the path of Jesus, and the path of the healed. And we'll see what all three are paved with and where they lead to as we walk through this passage. And so the first one, the path of evil, sounds really like menacing and intense. Um, and it is a little bit, I guess, if you really want to. So uh, if you want, if you have your Bible, uh, I think Luke has it up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'll read a little bit. We'll talk about it and then jump back and forth. Um, so Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with the stones. And I'm going to stop right there because it's a real dramatic way to stop. So we beat this man. And there's a couple things about this man that uh, I think are, are important to know and that stand out. Um, one, we meet him among the tombs. He's living a life surrounded by death. I think that's interesting. Uh, it said, night and day he cried out and cut himself with stones. Something is going on in his life. Obviously, he lives among the tombs in a graveyard. He's hurting himself. He, he is going, he's going through some mental and physical anguish. And he says he had often been bound with chains and shackles, but no more could anyone bind him. The key word, no one could bind him anymore. So one thing we learned from that is that it wasn't always like that. Right At one point, they could bind him. So we're seeing a little bit that this is progressing. Uh, it started out maybe not as bad. And at the point that Jesus is making contact with this man, things are very bad. And so what we learn here 
is that he did not, well, this is kind of a speculation, but he did not move directly there. There were steps along that path to lead him to this point. So we learn here about this path of evil is that it's paved with deception. It starts with one small step, but then one step becomes two, becomes three, becomes five, becomes ten. And before we know it, we are so far down that path that we can't even imagine making our way back to the beginning. Um, A few verses later, in verse 8, we learn kind of what the root cause, like what kind of the the manifestation of this deception looks like. Uh, So I'll pick up in verse 8, Luke. Sorry, I'm jumping around. But it says, For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And so we learn that that this man is possessed by not just one, but many Right? It says they name themselves legion, for they are many unclean spirits. Right? And that's kind of the manifestation here of this man's uh, uh, deception that's in his life that has caused him to go down this path. And we learn that the path of evil is paved, you saw on the screen a second ago, with destruction. It starts with one small step, but ultimately ends in destruction. And we find that out in one of the weirder Weirder stories we'll probably read here, um, but to continue on, after he names himself, the, the spirits name themselves Legion, it says, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the spirits begged him, saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out, entered, entered the pigs, and, her, and the herd, numbering around 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and there they drowned. Like, what is that? Um, so, but the point of this, uh, there's a lot of like so, uh, subtext and backstory that you might need to know for this. Like, that if you were in uh, this time hearing Mark say this, hearing Mark's first writings of this, you would know that like the area that they went to when they crossed the sea was was Gentile area. It was unclean. You would know that pigs are unclean animals. You would know that this area is the only time that Jesus went over there was for this specific story that we're hearing about right now. So this was an area that was uh, known to be unclean. It had unclean spirits. Pigs are unclean animals. Like all this is supposed to show you just how bad and like non, like accepted this side was, right? The path of evil leads to destruction. So we get to this, all this building up to the destruction of the pigs. So what the pigs, the point of that, don't read too much into all of the like, wait, I'm just so confused. What about the pigs? The pigs are just showing us the fate of the pigs reveals the destination of the path of evil. What would eventually happen to us is manifested in what happened to the pigs there, death, destruction. The path of evil is paved with deception, but it leads to destruction. All right, that one's kind of, that was a little downer. So we'll move on to the second path, path of Jesus, right? That's got to be more uplifting. So the path of Jesus is paved with initiation. What I mean by that is all the way back when we read in first, verse 1 a few, few minutes ago, it was Jesus' idea to cross the sea. Like I said, it's the only time they went over into that area, that unclean area. And it says in verse 2 that he meets the man immediately. Jesus initiates this meeting. He got in a boat, went across the sea just 
to meet this man. And it happens immediately. He seeks him out. He initiates contact with this man. But I skipped over a couple of verses earlier, 6 and 7. And it's interesting because I'm talking about Jesus initiating, right? And it says in verse 6, And when he saw Jesus from afar, so the man, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And from that, it seems like in verse 6 and 7 that the man then ran to Jesus. He initiated with Jesus, but Mark does something cool. He, he kind of puts it in right after. He says the man's lines, but then kind of like goes back and t- lets you know that in verse 8, for he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So even as the man, before the man runs down, before they start making contact, before they start talking, Jesus is already beginning to call the spirits out of him. He is initiating with this man in this place. And so the path of Jesus is paved with initiation. And where does it lead? The path of Jesus leads to healing. So we heard all these descriptors of this man at the beginning of the story. Uh, he, he lived among the tombs. He uh, had been attempted to be chained up so many times that he's, he's breaking out of chains. He's cutting himself. He's screaming in agony. That's the picture that's been painted as we meet this man. And then... After the pigs, it says the herdsmen fled, verse 14, and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And so we see... That the path of evil leads to destruction. We saw that in the pigs. But what does the path of Jesus lead to? It leads to healing. So what happened to the man? He was healed, right? The man who had been enraged at the beginning of that story was now at rest. The man who had been exposed, wandering among the tombs, was now covered. The man who had been screaming in agony and incoherent was now able to be understood. It said that he seemed normal. The path of Jesus is paved with initiation, but it ultimately leads to healing. And so then that question becomes, what now? If we move from the path of evil, we've gone through that that journey on the path of, of Jesus to be healed. What now do you do? What is the next step? Next step, the third path. There's only three. The third path is the path of the healed. And the path of the healed uh, kind of is the that what now moment, the what comes next. I've, I've come to know Jesus. I've accepted Jesus into my life. My faith, I want to grow out. I want to move it into every aspect of my everyday life. What comes next? And so uh, verse 18 uh, kind of shows us what comes next. It says, as he, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And uh, verse 19 goes on and says, He did not permit him to do so, saying, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So Jesus came. He initiated with this man. He healed this man. And then immediately, he's back in the boat. His work here is done. And the man asked to go with Jesus. That's a fair request. In my estimation, as I read this, he was living among the tombs. He was outcast. 
He has now been healed. He's finally probably feeling like himself for the first time in who knows how long. And now he just met Jesus and he's like, can I go with you? Please. Like that sounds like a fair request to me. And Jesus has an assignment for him that requires obedience. He says, go home. Go back to your friends. And think about that, right? Think about what it must be like to have to go back to friends now. It's like this guy... Obviously, he came from somewhere, right? We talked about the the path of evil one step at a time. Like, it took him some time to get to this point in his life of of being the guy that that he is when Jesus meets him. Like, he has friends. He has a home. And now, after being gone from from who knows how long and having done who knows what in front of them, to them, like, like, we don't know the whole context of this guy's story. But obviously, the idea of going back home and facing his past and facing the friends who were probably like, oh, you're healed now? Like, oh, you know Jesus? Like, we know what you did. We saw what you, who you were. We know who you really are. Like, the idea of having to face and go back to that terrified this guy. He's like, no, 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 I'm getting in the boat with Jesus. Go home, Jesus says, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. So what does the man do? Verse 20, last verse. And he went away. What if, it, what if it stopped there? That'd be crazy. And began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which just means the 10 cities in that area, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. The path of the healed is paved with obedience. We're going to be asked to go. We talk a lot about being sent out a lot. A lot of parables, a lot of, a lot of stories from the Bible talks about going out into the world and telling about Jesus. This man is taught, told to go home, which I think is interesting. It's, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. He says to go home and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. The path of the healed is paved with obedience, and it leads to proclamation. And uh, there's, a, there's a quote that Travis uh, said on Facebook on Sunday that I really liked. It's the healed always have a story to tell. And that story, it can be, it can be scary to share. It can, it can be, make us a little nervous. The path of the healed is paved with obedience. Go and tell them, Jesus says, leading to proclamation of, of what the Lord has done for you. And so I laid out, we laid out these three paths here, and I guess the question now becomes, what path am I on? Do I see in my own life small steps down the path of evil starting to take shape? Am I hiding a part of life from Jesus' leadership? It's interesting, the man who was healed, at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus tells him to go and share what the Lord has done. He knows what God has done for him. He knows what Jesus has done for him, but he does not know yet what he is about to do. The end of the gospel of Mark at the end of Luke, at the end of John, at the end of Matthew, what happens? What's the big thing at the end of the gospel? Please, someone. Elijah, please. A specific event. Jesus gets crucified. Thank you. Sorry, I, that might have been come out of nowhere. It felt like a trick question. It really wasn't. Jesus dies. <laughs> and Jesus rises Again, at the end of the Gospel of Mark, it was not this man who was naked, but it was Jesus. It was not this man who was screaming out 
in agony, but it was Jesus. It was not this man who was cut. It was not this man who was in the tomb. It was Jesus. The gospel is this, whatever path we might find ourselves on, and it's not necessarily a holistic thing about our life. You're not only existing your whole life on an evil path or with Jesus currently being healed or post-healing on to tell the world about it. It varies between situations. It varies in different contexts. This is not like one big thing, I'm good or I'm not. It's, it's not a black and white matter. It is very gray. There's a lot of nuance to this. But whatever path you might find yourself on, Jesus is initiating with you. He did not heal this man uh, going into an unclean area, dealing with unclean things because he was worried about his reputation, right? Jesus was never worried about his reputation. He heals not just this man, but he, he can heal all of us, and it cost him not his reputation, but his life. So tonight we're going to look at this idea, uh, uh, this passage of, of what path might we be on, and will we let Jesus initiate with us and through faith lead us through that path of healing as we walk not alone, we don't get sent out to be alone, but he walks alongside us. Uh, I'm really excited to get to talk about this in small groups tonight. So I'll pray real quick, and then uh, I think Alana is hopping up, and we'll, if you might, most of you know where you're going, but just in case you don't, we'll split into small groups. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. We thank you for your word that shows us just how much, try, just tries to give us a glimpse at how much you have done for us. God, I ask that you be with each and every group here tonight, each student, each leader, as we dive into your word, as we take a look at these three paths laid out here in Mark chapter 5, ultimately realizing that you died on the cross, that you did that for us, and through that action, we may be healed. No matter how far away from you we feel, no matter the things that we think that we've done that we cannot undo, God, we know that that, that action on the cross, the gospel of Mark, ends with not this man who was possessed being, being in the tomb, but with you being in the tomb and you rising from that tomb. God, we love you. God, we feel you and we hear you in this space tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>